What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day, and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The right has lost its mind. And I know that you're going to call me a secret lib. I know you're going to call me a secret Democrat. But let me tell you something. I think that you guys do not realize, people on the right do not realize how much, how crazy you guys look to the vast majority of the population. And so look, let me break this down for you. And this is, you know, there's a lot of different reasons that that things are the way they are. So let me break it down for you. First of all, let me take you all the way back to 2018. It was a it was a wonderful, glorious time when Donald Trump was president. That is when I came into this space. That is when I became who I am right now. Okay. So the difference between what is going on right now and what is going on then was that, first of all, you say what you want about Donald Trump, that was a New York City conservative, okay? And anybody um, that knows a New York City conservative knows that this is not the same thing as a, let's say, a mobile, a mobile Alabama conservative, okay? These are two different things. And so when Donald Trump was president, and a lot of the new people that came in were, they were, you know, black people, they were gay people, they were non-traditional conservatives, uh, or they were just this working class populist movement that found a voice in Donald Trump, okay? So that's when a lot of new people came into this movement. I am one of those people. I've never shied away from the fact that I am one of those people. But what was going on right there when Trump was president was that there was a shared sense of national identity. Um, Some of the fringier voices and fringier elements of the right were pretty much kept at bay because so many things were about basically uh, protecting and defending Donald Trump when he was the president of the United States, okay? 
And so everything was pretty, you know, nobody had an issue with me being a gay dude. Everybody was like, okay, wait, great. You know, there's these black people that are coming in. It's great that these are non-traditional conservatives. Um, you know, everything was okay. And then what happened was that Donald Trump did not get reelected in 2020. And I'm not going to argue with you guys about whether or not that election was stolen. Because fundamentally, I've never believed that it was stolen. I've told you guys um, that I don't believe that it was stolen. Uh, but whether it was stolen or not doesn't even matter because he's not president right now, right? And so what happened um, in early 2021, and this is something that I saw in 2021, was that some of the fringier elements started kind of taking over in terms of the conservative voices, right? Because the absence of Trump left a big window for a lot of these fringier elements to get in. And I saw this happen because when I told you guys the truth about January 6th, when I told you guys that it was dumb to be in D.C. Um, during January 6th, when I told you guys that I was invited by multiple organizations to go to D.C. during January 6th, and I declined every single one of them because I knew it was bad energy. This is the moment when a lot of these fringier elements really started taking over. And then this was the moment when a lot of people that had built sort of their brands and their followings off of that Trump movement, some of these people started to lose their mind. These people have lost the plot, all right? You say what you want about me, um, but I think that I represent in some capacity sort of, you know, like a normal conservative, you know, a, a pretty, like I said, I'm, I've always been a non-traditional conservative. I don't know how uh, conservative or how far right a black gay dude can be. Um, but a lot of these people have totally lost the plot. And so instead of talking about crime, instead of talking about immigration, instead of talking about the things that really matter to most people, there's this the all of these fringe, loony things that are going on. And then the people that are actually strong leaders, the people that have very large platforms have now descended into this kind of lunacy that turns off regular normal people. In fact, the kind of regular normal people um, that the Republican Party needs to sort of elect people into power, all right? And again, say what you want about me. You can call me a secret Democrat. You can call me a lib. You can call me, you know, whatever. But fundamentally, I represent kind of the normal sort of center-right-leaning independent person that Republicans actually need uh, to win in this country. Um, I know you guys like to think that, you know, the fringes represent the majority of the population, but they do not. And by the way, they don't represent the majority of the population on the left either. Uh, this is another lie that they, tell, that they tell themselves on the left. But fundamentally, the right has lost its mind. The right has gone absolutely crazy. Like, a lot of you guys have completely lost the plot. And so instead of talking about crime, instead of talking about immigration, instead of talking about the things that matter, you guys are indulging in all of these, like, all of this lunacy that turns the vast majority of people off. And so fundamentally, what a lot of people don't understand as well is... When you're in this world, like when you're in the media and political world, when you're a political commentator, when you're, you know, a trained mercenary for, for one of these political candidates, you know, whether it's Trump or Nikki Haley or Vivek or whoever, right? Like if you're on the payroll um, to promote some of these candidates, your life becomes very small. And so you're not interacting with normal people. You're interacting with, number one, either other media personalities, which becomes a, a circumstance in which everybody is saying the same things to each other and basically sniffing each other's farts 
and, and nobody's really sort of checking each other. Nobody's really engaging in the actual conversation. Or you're engaging with these political figures that nobody around them tells the truth to, by the way, right? And so all of these things come together to create just this lunacy that a lot of the normal people that are in this country look at and they're just like, well, you know, I, I know that the left doesn't represent me, but good God, these people don't represent me either, okay? And there's just been a lot of that going on and I think that people are not aware of it. And another reason why it's so dangerous, um, how crazy the right has gotten, okay? Like how fringy some of this stuff has become is I do believe in the concept of a uniparty. I've never not believed in the concept of the uniparty, okay? Because the more you really learn about politics and the deeper you get into this and the, the more that you know about how these systems actually work, what you realize is that with a lot of these people, with the vast majority of these people in D.C., whether they've got an R or a D by their name, they're all playing the same game. Uh, they're playing the same game of lobbying money. They're playing the same game of insider trading. Um, they're playing the same game of using their access to power to curry favor, right? And the reason that I bring up the Uniparty is that the Uniparty survives when the fringes are elevated. There is no mistake that both left and right have gotten increasingly nuttier over the years. Now, we saw how crazy the left gets um, during 2020, okay? Now, the right doesn't have enough institutional power uh, to really sort of flex their crazy on a national scale the way that the left does because the left has an entire system that is set up to protect these people, to defend these people, and then to use the mainstream media to basically run propaganda for these people. Okay, we saw this stuff in 2020. But the danger of all of the fringes and the danger um, that really lies in how nutty the right has gotten is that the Uniparty loves this because the Uniparty and a lot of the, the fringes on both sides have no interest in bringing the country together. These people, and, and I, I really need you to understand this, that these people have no interest in Americans coming together. They have no interest in Republicans and Democrats being friends, okay? They have no interest in you seeing the humanity in your fellow American, regardless of how that person pulls the lever you know, when it comes to voting, these people have no interest in that because there's a lot of different reasons. Fundamentally, the fringes um, and the commentary side of the aisle make more money the fringier they get. Okay, and they get to the point where they're so obsessed with money and they're so they're they're living so much in their bubble that they don't really have to interact with anybody outside of their kingdoms. And it's all if you've interacted with any of these people, like there are a couple of weirdos out there. Like these people are weird, right? They're they're like not normal. It's like some of these people are like Howard Hughes level weird. Uh, so there's that. Um, and then when it comes to the Uniparty in general, you know, the Democrats and Republicans that have spent literally the last 30 to 50 years selling this country down the river, whether they're, you know, like the, you're the Democrats and you're selling this country to illegal immigrants or you're um, the, the Republicans and Democrats who have both sold this country out to China, by the way. All these people have sold this country out in certain ways. Uh, it's just that now there are certain things that are not working for either anymore. And so what we're seeing is a sort of realignment of the Uniparty. 
But fundamentally, the Uniparty depends on the fringes. And fundamentally, to me, if there's a true interest in bringing the country together, if there's a true interest in coming together to find a national shared identity for this country, the right needs to realize that you guys are looking crazy to most normal people who don't live on social media and who do not live in this weird world of media influencers and political commentators and political figures and the people uh, that are paid to be their sycophants, all right? And to the normal people that are out here, um, you guys look crazy. So don't shoot the messenger. I am just telling you how you are viewed and a lot of these people on the right are being viewed as increasingly, increasingly nutty and crazy. Don't shoot the messenger. All right, problem. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Slick Vic, Vivek Ramaswamy, did a town hall in New Hampshire, and he took on the diversity, equity, and inclusion monster in what I think is a very, uh, very valid and very thoughtful way. I want you to listen to what he had to say. So I think the diversity, equity, inclusion agenda has been abused. In the name of diversity, we have, at many of our universities, totally sacrificed diversity of thought. In the name of equity, we've perpetuated a lot of inequity and inequality of opportunity through affirmative action and otherwise. In the name of inclusion, we've created a new culture of exclusion where certain points of view aren't welcome. So especially in a university setting, what do I care about? Diversity of viewpoint. This is important, actually. I think diversity of viewpoint is part of what this country was built on. Well, the best way to foster diversity of viewpoint is to screen candidates for the diversity of their views, actually. Many look at the board members of many universities. You're going to go through their partisan affiliation. It's not 80-20. It's going to be like 90-10 in the other direction. That's completely at odds with the representation of this country. So do I value diversity of viewpoint? Absolutely. Do I think we're doing a good job of that? No, we're not. And it's not an accident. In the name of diversity, we've actually created a new culture of conformity. And so I think it's entirely possible to have a group of 10 people who look similar to one another who have different views. I think it's entirely possible to have a group of 10 people who look different from one another or who look the same as one another but have different views or look different from one another and have the same views. And so I think the best way to screen candidates for the diversity of their experiences is to actually ask them about the diversity of their experiences. And I think the use of these racial and gender quota systems, I think have actually created a new form of racism in the United States that otherwise would not have existed. It's sad to me. I mean, I've hired not because I was thinking about it consciously, plenty of black women in different positions of authority in this campaign or other companies or whatever. And I can tell you it saddens me when people look at somebody who I hired on the basis of merit and say that they only got that job because of their race or gender. That doesn't do anybody a favor. And so I think if we restore true meritocracy in this country and embrace true diversity of thought, chances are we're actually going to have a bunch of different shades of melanin and a range of genders in different positions but let it be not the goal, 
Let it just be a byproduct of actually selecting for people who are the best person for the job, and especially in a university setting, diverse viewpoints as well. That's what I'll say. Very, very interesting, Slick Vic. Very, very interesting. But I have to say, you know, I call Slick Vic that I just think is a funny nickname. I actually really do like Vivek Ramaswamy. I think that he says a lot of the things that people really need to be hearing, uh, particularly out there on the campaign show, particularly this is a clip from CNN. And so, you know, I've been having this sort of diversity, DEI says affirmative action conversation uh, a lot. And what's going on and what has happened with what I like to call the DEI monster is this. The left sometimes thinks of these ideas and initially they're good ideas. Initially that these are ideas that are helped to that are supposed to help uh, underrepresented groups that are supposed to help sort of correct historical um, inaccuracies or historical discrimination, all of that stuff. Okay, that's how it starts. And I think that when a lot of people argue for these things, they're always arguing for them within the context of that. But what actually ends up happening is that the groups that these programs are supposed to help kind of start becoming a slave to uh, these programs, right? And so when you look at affirmative action, I've said this all the time, that the time for affirmative action in colleges and universities has has long passed because what is going on and what we're seeing here is that we're seeing a lot of these affirmative action programs in these schools um, taking in uh, black, Latino, et cetera, students that are just less qualified and that are just not up to doing the job. So then what happens is that these students get in, they're unprepared for the level of the course load, they either fail out, they are not performing well enough, and so then the argument comes about um, sort of lessening the standards, right? And so we're seeing the lessening of standards in these colleges and university systems all across the country where we're seeing these things. And what Vivek is talking about, because this is the businessman, and he's talking about the DEI monster when it comes to actually employing and actually hiring people. And there is also, again, there are very, very highly qualified African-Americans, of which I consider myself one. I will literally tell people about either positions that I've gotten or things that I've done, et cetera, et cetera. And the first thing that their mind goes to is that I must have gotten this because I'm black. I was actually having a conversation uh, with an acquaintance a couple of months back. And I was like, oh, well, you know, there's this. I think that there was some opportunity that I was that I was exploring or that I was going to get. And this person said, oh, well, you know, they must want you there because, the, you know, they, they want some diversity. And I was like, oh, well, actually, uh, it's probably because they want a journalist and media personality with over 15 years of experience and somebody that has a degree from the number one journalism school in the country, uh, in the world, and that also is a decorated military veteran, all right? So those things come before whatever uh, my skin color is and, and whatever my sexual orientation is, right? And so what the DEI monster has created um, in this country in, in terms of the conversation is that when you are, and, and, and I really do believe that people don't speak of this enough, is that when you are somebody that is non-white, whenever you get anything, anything, any position, any sort of anything, then that's the first place that people's minds go to, right? And I think that Vivek was brilliant to bring this up. And then fundamentally, and what is also not spoken of is the fact that you have a lot of people who are in these groups who get these things and they have to ask themselves, well, did I get this position 
uh, did I get you know this slot in this grad school or this program or et cetera? Did I get this because I'm qualified or did I get this because I'm African-American or Latino or gay or, or whatever, right? And that to me is the most fundamentally damaging um, aspect to the psyche of people. And that's what I think that sort of all this DEI stuff does. And so it has created this monster what Vivek did not get at um, in this segment, which obviously, you know, Abby over there at CNN did not like the conversations that were happening during this town hall. She cannot wait uh, to cut this man off. But one thing that, that he didn't get at is that this DEI monster is now a multi-billion dollar monster that has created this economy of a lot of people that literally have no real um they have they've never really accomplished anything but being black and getting themselves in the right place at the right time and the DEI bureaucracy from top to bottom and you have to understand there's a multi-billion hundreds of billions of dollars bureaucracy is filled uh, with these mediocrities I mean look at the Harvard president who is now keeping her position. This person plagiarized, right? This woman is the president of Harvard University. She has been found to have been to plagiarize her entire career. Um, she is a fundamental mediocrity. Everybody knows this woman is a mediocrity. Everybody knows that she is there and she's being protected because she is a black woman. But she's there and she's being protected. And so it becomes this weird thing where nobody's allowed to say this. You're only allowed to say this if you're a conservative commentator like me. But obviously, uh, the people that are under her are not allowed to say this. But of course, they're all thinking this. And so you have a mediocrity that's the president of Harvard um, that is obviously only there that is being protected because she is a black woman. Okay, this is somebody that has plagiarized uh, multiple, multiple, multiple times over the past decades of her career. A fundamental medi mediocrity that is president of Harvard University. But of course, this person is going to exist in this bubble in which she's still the president. Everybody that's around her, all these other DEI mediocrities and all these other sort of very afraid white liberals. But the most damaging thing is that everybody knows she's there because of these things. Okay? And... These things, I think, are, are more damaging to the psyche of these young, if you want to call them black people, Latino people, people, colors, whatever. These things are more damaging uh, fundamentally to the psyche of these people uh, than I think a lot of people really realize and that a lot of people really have the tools to even verbalize which is why I think the affirmative action monster needs to be slayed. I think the DEI monster needs to be slayed. I think that we are so beyond that um, as a country. I think it's it's really time and it's been past time uh, for people of, of whatever color um, in this country to really be judged based on what everybody else is judged on. I don't want to get any bonus points uh, because I'm black. Americans really do trust the military less due to the hyper-politicization of our armed forces. All right, so this is a survey that just came out from the Reagan National Defense Center, and it basically says, long story short, uh, a lot of Americans do not like the politicization of the United States military, and the ones that are of the prime age that need to be serving don't even really want to do that. All right, let me break you down uh, some of these statistics here. From 2018 to 2021, trust and confidence in the military dropped from 70% to 
to 45%. That is a huge drop, folks. Uh, confidence is now at 48%. So now, you know, the trend has stabilized a little bit since last year, but it's still down 22 points in five years. And there is no other public institution in this country that has seen such a sharp decline in trust. No, not the Department of Justice. No, not the FBI. It is the United States military. And according to some of these numbers, the politicization of the military has a lot to do with that. And so this is kind of like a bipartisan thing because what we're seeing from some of these numbers is that both Republicans and Democrats feel that the military has been hyper-politicized, but they think it has been politicized uh, for two different reasons. Okay, let's break down some of the numbers here. So about... 70% of all respondents think that the military leadership becoming overly politicized is either a great deal or some of the reason for a decreased confidence in the United States military. And we see a lot about the politicization of the military leadership. So when we see uh, let's say some of these viral videos that go in Congress with some of these leaders like uh, General Mark Milley um, getting kind of hammered by Republican Congress members over some of these diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives that are being added into the United States military um, and not really coming off all that well, to tell you the truth, that leads people to think that there is somehow two sides to the military. There's the Republican side and there's a Democrat side. And when you think about the military and the reasons for this decreased confidence uh, when it comes to some of these different reasons and break it down uh, by political affiliation, it gets even more interesting. Okay, so... The Democrats that were surveyed think that these so-called far-right or extremist individuals that are now currently serving in the military, now that points to some of the reasons that they have decreased confidence in the military. In fact, about 46% of them, again, either some or a great deal, 46% uh, of people said that these sort of far-right or extremist individuals in the military uh, are sort of um, leaning into the idea that they have this decreased confidence in the United States military. But here's the thing. 50% of people think that the so-called woke practices um, in the military are underlining or undermining military effectiveness. Okay, so you have two different things going on here. You have, number one, an overwhelming majority of respondents that do believe that the military has been hopelessly politicized, but you have people on different sides of the aisle thinking about it from different reasons. So what does this mean uh, when it comes to recruitment and when it comes to people that actually are of the age and the people that we actually need uh, to be fighting for America should, God forbid, we enter into another conflict? Let me get you some of this information. All right, as you can see in this graph, okay, only 13% of respondents aged 18 to 29 would identify themselves as extremely willing or very willing to join the military. Think about this, folks. 13% of the people that were surveyed that are of military fighting age would only say that they are willing to join the military. It's a very, very small number, folks, okay? And get this. This is the even the, the, the scariest number in this survey. 46% um, of people, again, these are the same survey respondents, said that they are either 
not willing at all or not very willing to join the United States military, all right? So let's put all of this stuff into context, okay? We have a very small percentage of people that are of fighting age in America that are willing to join the military um, at its current state of perceived politicization. And we have a whopping 46% of people that are in that age range that are not very willing or not willing at all to join the United States military, all right? So no matter where you fall, on whether you're a Republican, whether you're a Democrat, it doesn't matter. What matters is right now we have a recruitment issue in the military. In fact, uh, we have seen the lowest uh, numbers of recruitment since I believe it was something like the 1930s or 40s or something like that. Um, I believe that I saw a statistic that that uh, that led to that. And also, we have people that literally just do not want to serve. So my advice to Anybody that is in charge right now in the Biden administration, my advice to uh, any of these people that actually love this country, that actually think that we need a strong uh, military fighting force, is to cut the politicization, cut the DEI stuff, and start figuring out a way to make the people that are of fighting and serving age in this country want to serve. Because if we do not do that, if we do not find a way to make people want to serve in the the military of this country, we're going to be in big trouble if America finds itself in another conflict. All right, as always, thank you, Problematic, so much for joining me. You can download Can't Cancel Rob Smith on Apple Podcasts, iHeart Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can always follow me on social media, on Twitter, uh, now X, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Rob Smith Online.